Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And this is our podcast called I Married a History Teacher. Lisa, are you ready to do this? I'm super ready. Don't know what we're doing, but down for it. We're podding hard. That's what we're doing. I knew we were podding. I didn't tell, know tell, what we were podding about. Tell them where we're at, Lisa. We are in our sunny studio in Baltimore, Maryland. I did it wrong. Yeah, say our, our Baltimore studio. Our studio in sunny Baltimore. There it is. Yeah. Sunny Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, selling the DC studio. We are officially under contract. We one less studio. One less studio. Womp womp. <laughs> um, it's tough being us. Thanks, COVID. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, Lisa, big shout out, big congratulations to all of our listeners because our last episode, our gay pride or two gay presidents episode became the most downloaded episode in a 24-hour period than any one of our epi- other episodes beating out the Adolf Hitler stupid yes, asshole. Yes, look at that. Give yourselves a round of applause, everyone. It took a while, but being gay is finally better than murdering Jews. Yeah, there it is. 2020. 2020. It's a, that's it's a, our year. It's a revolution. So many people win. Right, right. <laughs> now, big state that also came in with a lot of listens to, mm-hmm. to really boost up our listens is the state of New Hampshire. Mm. I don't know what it was because we can see – we don't know who it was, I should say. We can see who downloads our episodes by state and country. Mm-hmm. And New Hampshire came in heavy. Yeah, that was a big spike. And there was a big spike in Nebraska too, but I, I don't know if that was from that. You're moving on from – from something I would like to talk about. Oh, am I? Am I? This this was all just deleted. <laughs> I, I love I, that face you make I, when you're like, "You are messing up my bit." I have, I have, I have a plan. shtick coming. <laughs> I have planned shtick, and you're you're moving on to Nebraska. <laughs> my apologies for speaking that word. I don't think it is a coincidence that New Hampshire started listening to us at almost the exact day. That supervillain Glenn Maxwell was removed from the state and put into prison. Okay. And I just think the evil aura and the evil vibes that human trafficking and pedophile Glenn Maxwell mm-hmm. was putting off in the state of New Hampshire as she was hiding out this oppressive energy mm. has been removed. And now that she is in prison waiting to be killed by the Clinton crime family, I mean tried <laughs> for human trafficking – um, now New Hampshire is free to listen. Wow. That's my theory. Well, also in 2020, I guess it became cooler to be gay than to go unpunished for, um, uh, aiding and, abetting, aiding and abetting, aiding and abetting pedophilia and trafficking. Yeah. So let's not beat around the bush here. She wasn't aiding and abetting. She was like a actual trafficker of underaged girls. Yeah, she trafficked them, but then she also enabled pedophilia through it yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm glad to see her arrested, although yes. it's probably a sham and she's probably a CIA asset, but that's for a different podcast. You've gone dark, deep and dark down this conspiracy, Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> conspiracy. For anyone that is still confused, Ghislaine Maxwell was Jeffrey Epstein's right-hand woman. Yes. Mm. Yes. The murdered Jeffrey Epstein... Uh, really liked Ghislaine Maxwell. The The late murder victim, Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) Uh, You got to start a side pod 
I don't know yeah. if there's enough space on this pod for all of your <laughs> right, theories. Right. Yeah, let's move on. Let's get let's get over to our actual episode yes. for the night, okay? Um, for listeners out there, this episode is kind of like a loose prequel to our BLM historic background episode and the Juneteenth episode from a couple weeks ago. Mm. So it's not totally necessary because it's a loose prequel. There's not a direct correlation. But we just celebrated what holiday, Lisa? Fourth of July. And what happened on the Fourth of July that we celebrated? We got married on the Fourth of July. That's right. It was our third wedding anniversary. Everyone (laughs) celebrated our third wedding anniversary. That everyone was yeah. We've made off fireworks. We've made it three years. We did. And you know what they say too. The the first three years are the hardest. Is that what they say? That's what they say. Now it's just smooth sailing from here on out. The first three years will involve a global pandemic. After that, (laughs) there will be no problems. Now it's just like I think we're just entering the honeymoon phase for the next 60 years of our lives. Your logic is airtight. Yeah, that's how it works. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, but so sorry, I didn't mean to distract. The the July 4th, the other Mm -hmm. holiday would be the, um, the Declaration of... Independence being signed, right? Yeah, so that's sort of like the generic thing that we celebrate, right? Yeah. Is the signing of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th of what year? 1776. Look at you. Woo! Um, let's talk about that, though. That, I, I, don't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that so cavalierly. I'm going to be talking about that for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Independence Day because, one... There's some couple like what I consider to be kind of funny technicalities about the 4th of July that, you know, not huge significance, historical impact or anything, but just some interesting things I want to talk about. Some nice trivia bits. Yeah, exactly. But really, I want to talk about this concept that has sort of was being questioned in light of the entire Black Lives Matter movement of who really received independence Mm. and what was really birthed, you know, what... What actually came out of July 4th, 1776? Mm, yeah, how graphic was it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're going the yeah. birthing route. <laughs> you know what I mean, you know? You know what I mean. Yeah, right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, Lisa, I'm going to do this thing because, you know, this is technically like this weird sort of high school themed, like high school history themed podcast, right? And it's, uh, I think I might drop my thesis in first. Right? Yeah. Here's kind of the way, what I'm trying to do. Okay. I'm trying to sort of prove this point that the concept of the United States that was created in 1776 and the year surrounding it was truly a very beautiful thing in theory Mm. and by sort of discussion, but it was Mm. not really received in practice. That's not really what they did actually, our founding fathers. Mm. It's just like the theories were all there, but then when it came down to actually executing these theories... It didn't really work out. And I see it almost as they designed, except for a couple literal things, like in theory, they created this amazing democracy for free, with freedom for everyone and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're actually still working to that point, mm-hmm. you know, 250 whatever, you know, approximately years later. Okay. And so when you say it was nice in theory, but that's not how it's executed, would you say then that... They didn't have pure intentions or that they had intention, good intentions at the time, but then – like how, how do you view that? That's a great question. and it, it, This is how I would answer it. 
Okay. Basically, we're going to talk about three different documents that sort of represent the birth of America. Okay. Okay. And pretty much all three of them is just like a giant Enlightenment era idea dump. Mm. Right? We've talked about a lot of this stuff on our podcast before. Yeah. Right? And in a lot of it, the spirit of this and the general theme of this stuff is that the government should be ran by the people mm-hmm. and it should function for the people. Mm-hmm. Right? But there's issues, for example, about who the people are. Mm. Okay? And this roots all the way back to the creation of this country. So you can kind of see where we're getting at the Black Lives Matter movement thing already. Matter, yeah, you keep saying ladder. I keep saying the black yeah. Black Lives Ladder. <laughs> yeah, kind of. You're just kind of flirting well, together. Well, so you know, it's something that we're trying to climb out of. So it's a ladder. We're <laughs> trying to climb to that. It, yeah, you're gonna start a trend. It's BLL now. BLL. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Black Lives Ladder. Genius. Um, yeah. Okay. So the Intent was, it was a good intent for the people that they had in mind. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, but beyond that, their own, per, I'm assuming, racist views, white it, supremacist views. Yeah, it's essentially, um, yeah, yeah. So yes, there's certainly a level to being racist, but really, and I guess this is like racism to an extent, but really... All of the documents we're going to talk about was written by a specific group of men, which is sort of well-to-do, educated white males mm-hmm. who designed a government to benefit themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily saying that all of these men were 100% racist. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to protect what they had by sort of categorizing themselves. Mm. Is that inherently racist? I guess it probably is, isn't it? I think it's inherently, at best, it's inherently self-centered. I mean, like, I mean, I I think at least what I have studied about colonization and whatnot, I really do think that there was a, a real belief that ran deep with white men that they were superior to, to anything and everything right. and that everything else was just a, a Dependent on them, right? right. So, like the like the fact right. that women didn't vote and all all these things, it was like, was it? Yes, of course, to protect their way of life, but also they probably just viewed it as, well, this is the order of things. We are superior, and therefore everything should be built around us because we'll we're the ones who put food on the table and whatnot. Of course, not uh, yeah. at all good logic, not at all good for humanity. But yeah, I mean that's kind of the sense that you get reading about all these things. This is just this like very unquestionable kind of view that they like that their brains were better. I yes. mean, and it's not it's not just whiteness and women either. This also it was very sort of classist as well. Okay, so wealthy, and we're going to okay. talk about that to a certain extent okay. too. And, and again, like all things in America, it was kind of contradictory. I'm going to point out some things that was like clearly classist. And then also clearly a giant step forward from monarchy at the same time. Yeah. Which is classic America. You know, right, it's right, like right. We're super controversial. Like it's in terms of everything we do, it's it's contradicting another thing that we do. No, I know. I mean COVID's a great example. I mean the world's like, what right. the F are you doing with COVID? And then they're so inspired by the BLM protests. Like it's just like like it's just it's exhausting exactly. to be yeah. an American. Yeah. 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 Um it's like, uh, what is our identity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, do you suck yeah. or are you kinda good? Yeah. Um okay, yeah, I think that this will be 
really interesting to yeah. look into. So let's talk about a fun technicality. Let's finally get into it. All yeah. Right? Fun technicalities I want to talk about, about specifically the holiday of the 4th of July. <laughs> so technically, the Continental Congress voted on... Continental Congress. That's what they're called. Really? In reference to not including the Hawaii cons- and... No, 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 no. That's just what they called themselves. Really? Do people know this? I th- probably, you know, like I bet a bunch of white dudes know this. It's mm-hmm. a central white dude thing to know, like, mm-hmm. Revolutionary War stuff. Continental Congress. It's being racist of me. Shouldn't do that, you know? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Anyway. Uh, okay, noted. Continental Congress. Yeah, it's called the Continental Congress. And the Continental Congresses are responsible for, like, all of this stuff that pretty much happened until up until the, the American Constitution was written. So this is the decision to declare war on Great Britain. This is the writing the Declaration and the Constitution and the Articles of Confederation. It was all done by the, what was called the Continental Congress. Hmm. So you could say, much like this is a, you know, loose prequel to our BLM podcast, they were a loose prequel to the regular Congress. Very much so. Yes. Okay. Very much so. Got it. Um, and they voted on the Declaration of Independence on July second. Mm. Okay. Thomas Jefferson began writing it about a month before that. We'll call it June second. Honestly, I'd be disappointed if you took one day to write the Declaration. <laughs> yeah, right. You take uh, your time, buddy. Yeah. Uh, the Declaration wasn't actually signed until August second. Jeez. The Declaration wasn't actually sent to King George until uh, deep into November. <laughs> the war with the United Kingdom started in 1775. And didn't end until 1783. So what exactly are we celebrating on July 4th, 1776, Lisa? A date that sounds nice. It was the date that they edited the document and put it on fancy paper. (laughs) (laughs) So on the 4th of July, one of our major federal holidays, we celebrate the editing of a piece of paper. Well, to be fair, they used a quill, probably, right? So that feels official. I know it's it's not the same as you know typing up on Google Docs. Um, Okay, all right. I mean, if you got to pick one, I mean, who the hell even picks a date from all that shit, anyways? Well, really, it should be the day that the war was won. Right. Because that's your freedom. Yeah, and we've talked about that a lot in this. So it's really not our yeah. freedom. It's like we decided we want to be free. Yeah. On this day. So a lot. We took a gamble. A lot of people think um, a lot of the association is, like, on one hand, someone, there wasn't step made. They agreed on the final language of the declaration. And then, like, you know, maybe, I think it was like, uh, I don't want to throw out a number, but eventually John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both died on the same day, on July 4th. And there's a lot of American historians who think that that was a huge catalyst in us recognizing this being an important day because you know, it was a big day for the declaration, and then like the two chief officers of the officers of it happened to die on the same day on July fourth. All right, and then and there it is. John Adams was also one of the last things he said on his deathbed when he was dying is something along the lines of like, "I'm so pissed, I'm not going to outlast that bastard Jefferson." And sure enough, he was dying in Virginia, <laughs> so he was dying up in Boston. <laughs> That's really... Oh, I didn't realize it was the same year, too. I just assumed oh, yeah, it was the same like, day. Oh, yeah, they died at the same day. That's just quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Was, was there a bug going around? I don't think so. I mean... Mm. 
Just a funny irony? Yeah. Something like that. I don't really know. Yeah. Okay. Are we also going to talk about the like the reason that we even decided to go to declare independence? Oh, we're 100% going to do Perfect. that right now. Oh, right now. That was just a fun technical. I told you I wanted to talk some trivia. All That's right. just that. That's out of the way. So okay. Trivia is out. Real Essential stuff. information coming yes. at you from now okay. on. Okay. All right. So, Lisa, mm-hmm. what do you think the Declaration of Independence said on it? Um, sorry. I always go to that stupid quote from The Office. Where Michael Scott wants to, de- to to declare bankruptcy, and he thinks you to do that, you just scream, "I declare bankruptcy!" Yes. So my initial knee jerk reaction was to say that they just declared independence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they did. Yeah, that's all I got, really. I mean, like it was some fancy, like "Dear so and so, King yeah. Georgian." Sure, sure. Here, here are the fancy, fancy white people. You actually we want something that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just you were being so historic, I would hate to cut you off. But um, <laughs> yeah, I know. it was very much intended to go to King George. It was literally an introduction, and then it was uh, around 30 complaints about King George. Really, an introduction. Mm-hmm. So, like, A preamble, if you will. Yeah, I just wonder what that looks like. I mean, I guess I could figure it out. Well, I'm actually going to summarize you (laughs) what it is. I mean, it's really not a long document. And if you Google Declaration of Independence, it pops up immediately. It's it's funny how that works. We also lived next to where it's kept for, you know, several years of our lives. I mean, I'm busy, lady. (laughs) I mean, okay, so let's sum up the preamble. Yeah, so basically. Do they have any, like, pleasantries? Like, they're like. No, it's pretty aggressive. And very dramatic. No, that's funny. It's like when you – one of the things that I don't think think people realize when they're watching Hamilton and it's a musical, mm. like this sort of dramatic musicness and like emotion of that musical, like it comes off in the writing back then. Like it is so – Dramatic the way the declaration is written. Mm, you see, humans are very emotional people. Yeah. People forget this. You look back and you just kind of get the highlights, but like they felt a lot of things. They always were. A lot of feels in these documents. A lot of feels. Lot of feels. So I'm going to summarize the intro to you, all right? Okay. He says, it, but when I say he, I'm referring to the primary author of the, the declaration, who is Thomas Jefferson. Mm. He says, all men are created equal, and we are equal by nature and by the creator. Is that the first word, all? No, so I'm paraphrasing it. I'm just curious how you lead into this. Like, what's your first sentence? It's literally one sentence. It's one. They also love run-on sentences. Mm. Really long sentences. Mm. I think the whole thing is literally one sentence. But it's like, <laughs> if you broke it down into, I, I mean the intro. Yeah. If you broke it down now, it would be like six sentences. But here's the summary. Okay. All men are created equal by nature and by a creator. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't specifically reference Christianity. Okay. And this is obvious. And then man creates government to to protect individuals' rights. And these rights are the obvious rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when they're violated, the government should be removed. Okay, and that's what the Declaration states. That's a that's a that's a strong statement. It's a very strong statement. The yeah. government should be removed anytime someone's rights are, are infringed upon. I mean, we'd be in anarchy no, I endlessly. Think I think you're taking this a little too literally. Well, they shouldn't be so dramatic then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's a list of about thirty complaints of ways King George has 
violated their obvious inalienable rights. Mm. Okay. Now, Lisa. I hate you for this reason. It, it is, it's kind of like a 10 things I hate about you situation. Oh, my God, it is. Oh. It's just the original 10 things I hate about <laughs> you. <laughs> like Thomas Jefferson is just Julia Stiles. Exactly. Is she in that movie? That was yeah, right, no, right? you got it. You did good. Nailed it. Oh, that was also G. Gordon Levitt, wasn't it? Before he turned into a badass. Yeah, he wasn't the main dude. The, the main dude, the object of affection was Heath Ledger. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Both of them big Christopher Nolan film guys. You think mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan watched 10 Things I Hate About You and was like, I need these guys? These are my guys? Maybe. I mean, they their faces were just as pretty back then. True. That's True. not really what they brought to the table. Yeah. <laughs> um... So anyway, these complaints, do you want to guess what, generally speaking, they're about? Well, we all know about the taxes. Yeah, that's the answer. The vast majority of these complaints are about being taxed. (laughs) You tax my boats. You tax my... (laughs) 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 It's like, what? It's a little bit more, like, they get to the sort of nitty-gritty details, and, like, one of the things, for example, isn't... Maybe it's not specifically taxed. But they'd be like, you won't let us sell to Canada and South American countries. You make us sell to you, and then you take the benefit away from our. So it's about people making money, essentially. And that Great Britain is basically hampering these well-to-do Americans from making more money. Yes, and I think that that's an interesting point in general, because I think we always are like, oh, the British and the Americans. But, you know, I mean, the people that were forming this came directly from Britain. They, I mean, how, they weren't like, over, were they overly oppressed in the UK when they came in? I mean, oh, actually we did, we've talked about this before, probably off pod, but there was two kinds of main people that came in. Yes. One was kind of like the religiously persecuted to an extent, Puritans that want, well, more that they just wanted more free reign to be more religious openly. And then the other group was just, yeah, capitalists, people being like, hmm, brand new country, lots of resources, gonna yes. make my, stake my claim over there. Yes. Um, so those are the people that are, we're dealing with. The, the pure, yeah, the Puritans landed in the north. Okay. okay they were the, what we call the pilgrims, and we, we associate with like Thanksgiving and stuff, Plymouth Rock. Yeah. And, but just to be clear on their quote unquote religious persecution, like, were they being treated terribly in the UK or were they more just saying, we want, almost our own state? Uh, okay. Like, it's, it was more the latter. They wanted to create a state because there was a brief, time in English history where the Puritans took over and ran England. Mm. That's Oliver Cromwell. Mm. Okay, but they they hated Cromwell. Like when he got ran out, like when he died and then his brother took over, they ran his brother out of town and then they took over and like they weren't really super nice to Puritans. So when you say they, they just like Catholics the, the, or the, 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 well, They were just a different type of Christian. They were Anglican at that point. They became Anglican. Okay, so Anglicans pushed out Puritans and, and they yeah. were like, well... Th- but it was, yeah, but let's be clear. If what you're asking me is this like a Spanish Inquisition thing where it's like if you don't fucking leave then I'm going to burn you at a stake? No. No, they just were like it was way cooler when we were in charge. Yes. So they were like, oh, look at this place over here. Yes. We could be over in charge over here. We could over, we can be here in Cohog, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do that. And then the other group are... Basically the people who founded Jamestown in Virginia, they were capitalists. They were people that were entrepreneurs and capitalists who were literally coming more or less likely to bring, to, to find gold, really. Mm. And... That's why Jamestown, I keep wanting to do an episode about Jamestown. Jamestown and like what happened there is fascinating. 
Mm. I guess we pseudo did one. Yeah, we kind of did. Um, they actually, interestingly enough, brought with them a bunch of chemicals that helped them find gold rather than bringing stuff like seeds and tools to build and farm. <laughs> so they almost died if it wasn't for the Native Americans. They would have died. And yeah, there's a the, lot of stuff about You know, that. the Puritans also would have died without it, too. Um, but yes, you have capitalists in the South and you have Puritans in the North, which is actually also lays the root of why you have slavery in the South and not to the North. It obviously gets way more complicated and nuanced than that, but that's kind of the start of it. Hmm. Is that the people who settled Virginia were a bunch of assholes who didn't want to work for their money. And the people who settled in the North were literally part of Puritanism as having a, a very intense work ethic. Hmm. Got it. So they okay. want slaves, right? Got it. And this is going to show my ignorance on my timeline. But so these are those two groups asking for independence. And at this time, there are not. Slaves in America. Slaves are very shortly behind the settlers of Jamestown. So I think Jamestown is settled in 1609. Oh, wow. Okay, so they're full-on slaves by the time the Revolutionary War is being fought. Oh, hell yeah. The slaves okay. are in full force in the South. In okay. fact, when the Revolutionary War is being fought, there's still slavery in the North. Oh, it's just not as rampant. And to be clear, I want to say this date again because I messed it up a couple episodes back. Mm-hmm. White people arrived in Jamestown in 1609. Black people arrived in Jamestown in 1617 as slaves. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Right, because we talked about this has been centuries and centuries. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so fast forward to 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. <laughs> the main people that are writing this, well, the main people who are writing this are like more of the capitalistic type people the, in Virginia. Right, a hundred percent. So the, Virginia, are the main people behind it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's the kind of like yeah. type of person it is: rich, wealthy, well-read, enlightened, um, also responsible for slavery. George Washington, Madison, Jefferson—they all had slaves. They all lived in these massive mansions. Yes, and are come from right. They had slaves. Things. Of course, slavery was already a thing. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Yes, okay. They're writing the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the irony of the fact that they have slaves. Yes. Okay? Yes. Now, we're going to talk about that, but there's... I mean, they're basically complaining that the work of their slaves, they're not getting more money from it. Uh, Right? To a very large extent, absolutely. Yeah. Um... So just I, I want to be totally clear here, too, about something. The Declaration of Independence wasn't just, I hate you for taxing me. A lot of it also was that the, the American colonists did a lot of things to revolt against the taxes. So, like, for example, very famously... The Tea Party. Yes, right. So yeah. there was the, the Stamp Act, which was an increased tax on goods coming out of the United States of America, more money for the crown. Right? Mm. The result of that is a bunch of American colonists acted as terrorists and destroyed property. They looted from the government and destroyed property in a protest. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. The revolutionaries destroyed commercial property against the legal government in their own community. That's different. The government was infringing on their rights. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, and then when we started doing that, when we started looting British 
goods, mm -hmm. they started fighting back and they started taking more and more rights away. So those are also included in the declaration. So if it's not taxed or financially backed, mm -hmm. it is most of them are complaints about the reaction of the king after they technically broke the law revolting against the king. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Are you with me on that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the king is part of never mind. I was gonna go down a weird rabbit hole of like all taxes matter. So anyway. Um in this document about how all men are created equal and all men should be free, guess how many mentions of slavery there are? Zippity zippity. There are zero mentions of it. Now, this is very important. Thomas Jefferson had several complaints about slavery, admitting how awful slave trade was in the Declaration, saying it was an extra complaint against King George for taking part in the slave trade was an abomination. But he's, but so is Jefferson. Yes, okay. right. But when he presented this to the Continental Congress, they made a bunch of edits. Mm. And one of the things they very deliberately edited out was any mention of slavery. They took it out. So Jefferson was this, again, super contradictory sort of dude. He was a self-hating slave owner. He was a self-hating slave owner mm -hmm. who essentially, according to his private rights and, or private writings and like quotes and stuff, wanted to get rid of slavery because it was totally anti-enlightenment. Yet at the same time was not only owning slaves, was sleeping with one of them. They were having his children, and they would be slaves too when they were literally his sons and daughters. Wow. I think I remember hearing that once and I forgot. Wow. Mm -hmm. Sally Hemings. Mm. Now, the other thing that we need to mention is guess how many times race is mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. I'm going to go on with another zippity. It's not. It's actually once. It is the last complaint on the list, and it reads as such. He, he is King George, he has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring our inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. So literally... A founding principle of this country is a racial stereotype against Native Americans. And how, wait, sorry, he's blaming King George for them being savages? Yeah, it's sort of a rep. No, no, he's blaming King George for getting the natives pissed at them and attacking them. It sounds kind of conspiracy theory ish crazy. But I'm almost positive it's alluding to the French and Indian War, which happened like sort of, you know, about 10 years before this and like was tough on the colonies. Okay. Because it was like the Brits, it was like the Brits, the Americans, the, the French and the natives all sort of fighting each other. And it was like tough on them. It was particularly tough on British. It was really expensive. It was part of the Seven Years' War, which is a large part of the reason why the British even increased the taxes on the Americans in the first place. So again, it's still pseudo-tax related. Yeah. Cash rules everything around mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. as we've gone over many a time. Yes. Um, so that's interesting. So you have slave owners stating these things, knowing pretty like explicitly we're seeing in their own writings that they know it's wrong to 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 claim to be 
of an enlightenment th- enlightenment thinker and then demanding these rights and then having the slaves but at the same time they're not extending that to native americans they're basically being like you, they, they they basically don't view them as humans really right well i think that's this is this is kind of gets down to my main point is that if you read the declaration of independence it is sort of like this beautiful enlightened document that it's hard to argue with these things but when when you look at it, you're like, oh, these people are also enslaving one group of people while literally creating a stereotype against another group of people who will not be applied to these this country that they're trying to start at all. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's far from perfect. Again, going to my theory. The declaration is beautiful when you look at it, but when you look at the context and you dig a little deeper, it wasn't applied to everyone. And that's kind of my main point. Right. And that's not something that we learn in school. Right. Um, now, Lisa, we got to move on because it's been 33 minutes. We've only talked about one of the documents. I know, this is juicy, man. <laughs> All right. So I know what you could be thinking up there. Steve, don't be so damn literal. It was just a declaration of war. We are celebrating the birth of our country and everything it's about in this great democracy, right? Yeah. So like you're thinking, oh, so what we really studied is like we won this war and when we won this war... We created the American Constitution, and it's this beautiful democracy, right? Well, no. No. What did we create for the first, for about 12 years? Well, I'm only saying this because I've heard you say this, but it was a plutocracy? Mm-mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's actually really funny, and you're showing my cards here, Lisa. Oh. I say that we're a plutocracy now. extremely cynically now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for those of you who don't know, a plutocracy... Is when a small group of really wealthy individuals hold the power in a country. Mm. And I'm willing to argue with anyone if you think this is not a plutocracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Get him, boo. But anyway, <laughs> it's also a democracy. But we didn't originally create a democracy. The fighting the revolution and, and the Declaration of Independence was not about creating a democracy because we can created something called a confederation, uh. a confederacy. Uh. Yeah, see that reaction? Confederacy, because of the Civil War, is a hugely misunderstood term in our country. Right. Confederacy has nothing to do with racism or slavery or anything like that. Yeah, no, It's just I mean, a type of government. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you want to describe what a confederation is, Lisa? I mean, I'm guessing it's really similar to like a federation. Yeah. Right. So it's just like it's smaller parts making up a whole, but there are like a lot of rights associated with those smaller parts. So it's like loose association, but a lot of um, sovereignty, the smaller states. Yes, that's perfect. That's pretty much exactly what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we basically create a confederation where the 13 different colonies are going to become states Mm. that are united. In fact, Article 1 of the Articles of Confederation is quite simply, we are to be a confederation known as the United States of America, which mm. is like where our name was came from. Mm. I always find our name to be very boring. It's a mouthful, really. Yeah. it's But it's also like, I want it to be like one of those fun single names that no one really knows the origins of, like Germany or like China <laughs> or whatever. You know mm. what I mean? It's just like, United States of America is so formal. It's like, all right, well, we're states and we're united 
and we are on this continent that everybody calls America. So we're the United States of America. Yeah, it doesn't show a lot of imagination. No, no, yeah. no. It's kind yeah. of indicative of some culture issues in our country now. Yeah, which is just a mix of all everyone else's culture. Yeah, well, and also though, like I think we should just go with some other language pronunciations of the U.S. because they sound a lot cooler in other in other languages. Like yeah. in French, it's les États-Unis. That yeah. sounds way cooler. That's true. That was good, Lisa. That's good. That's a good um, accent. Oh, thank and you. And I know this because I'm very well versed in the French language. All languages, really. Yeah, true. That's a great fact. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I'm going to talk about this only briefly because it didn't last very long. But I do want to bring up, I think it's important because it's a misconception that we are, again, celebrating the Constitution of the United States on the 4th of July. Because it didn't even exist for a while after we won the Revolutionary War. Okay. Um, but basically, the articles was, I think it was 14 total articles, maybe 13. And almost every single one of them was just like, we have a friendly relationship Here's how this friendly relationship will work. Ten, ten things I like about you. There it is, Lise. Mm. Um, and that, that is actually the words they use, is friendly, right? <laughs> which I think is so funny. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, basically, so it's like, hey, if the, the king attacks in New York, then Pennsylvania is going to go help New York fight off the king. Mm. You know, it's stuff like that. Um, it was a huge disaster. The reason it was a huge disaster is because when you have a democracy, mm-hmm. which again is something that is fantastic in theory, people vote and do things to benefit who? Themselves. Themselves. It is a myth that Americans are sitting around voting for the common good. I'm sure a handful of people do, mm. but people are voting and fighting fights to benefit themselves. I'll throw myself under the bus, Lisa. Okay. You know the one time I ever attended a local government event at the city council? Yes, I do. And they were trying to outlaw Airbnb in Baltimore. They were trying to outlaw Airbnb in Baltimore. And I went there and I spoke and I got all emotional and I made them try to guilt them into not outlawing Airbnb. Yeah, it wasn't because I think Airbnb is good for the community. It's because I think Airbnb is good for my bottom line, right? And that is the backbone of America right there, right? So what happened, and not just America, that's natural, that's human nature, right? And that's the problem with democracy, which is like, you know, we can go down a long path and that's why we have an electoral college and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But anyway, all the states Mm. were simply trying to benefit themselves at every corner they were just trying to do whatever they can. Pennsylvanians were trying to help out Pennsylvanians. And it was not about the Confederation. So it was scrapped basically after 12 years and went back to the drawing board. Okay. okay. Now, Lisa, I also like to mention it because it's kind of our second opportunity to outlaw slavery in this country that's supposed to be the land of the free. Mm-hmm. Do you think we did? No, because we weren't very brave. No, we didn't do anything. The only mention of it is we said that basically slavery is decided by the states. Ah, interesting argument. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Never heard that one. Yeah, um, exactly. So, sorry, just from like a practical standpoint here, I'm still ha- – because I don't understand the mechanics of it, I don't see how it's different, the voting in a confederacy versus voting in what we now have as the United States. Like, what, what were they doing that made it so it didn't work? Well, again, I mean, I don't want to get too deep Just into the details. It doesn't really 
But like, I see what your point. Like, I just don't get the difference. Like, we're still members of states. We still do have a somewhat federated system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Basically, our our national federal government is way more powerful now than it was under the like it almost was non-existent. There was literally just a Congress that had no real powers under the article. Got it. Okay, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Like the UN, because the UN yeah. doesn't really have actually like a lot of power. It's a shitload. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very like symbolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get it. Exactly. I do want to say that in Article 3, and this is kind of a shout-out to one of our earlier BLMs episodes. Okay. There's this really nice little article where they say that not only are the citizens of each state that are like property-holding men, not only are these people protected by our rights, but the vagabonds and the paupers and the people wandering from state to state are always protected by our laws that we've created, all right? So think about how big of a step backwards it is when 100 years later, when slavery gets outlawed, that we then decide that we're going to start charging people with vagabond laws. That is inherently not part of the American experience. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention that we also, almost every state, except for just now, D.C., and then uh, two states in the Northeast, I think, don't allow you the right to vote if if you've been um, put behind bars. Um, And we take a lot of rights away from felons. That's completely against what you just articulated there. Yep. Yep. Even though vagabonds aren't necessarily felons, they're just poor people. No, I understand, but it's still, it's still. I mean, it. I thought they were saying in that that like everyone gets protected. They did. The only people that don't get protected are fugitives wanted for murder. Okay, then that's not as good of a. But they're fugitives. They haven't paid their debt to society. Uh, Felons have paid their debt to society. Uh, fugitives have not. They're running away from their punishment. Got it. Right. Freed slaves also don't get those. Yeah, I don't get all rights, shit. but you know, I really need to do that. All right, now. Let's get to the American Constitution. Okay. All right. What are we really celebrating then? The articles fail. Maybe we're celebrating the Constitution that we started writing finally in 1789. Mm. Okay. Um, We've talked a lot about this. Okay. Again, Constitution is like an incredible document in theory, particularly two things that are super revolutionary. This concept of popular sovereignty, which is lead and control by the people, and the creation of the new government of federalism, where we have hyper-local government, state governments, and a national government to divide the power. Mm. So if the president declared a very specific law that, with New York in mind, it wouldn't necessarily impact people in South Carolina who lived a completely different lifestyle. Okay. Revolutionary new style of government. Mm, okay. Love it. Now, let's talk about though who is included in the popular sovereignty of this. Okay, so our government exists for the people to rule, but if you read in between the lines, sometimes not even in between the lines of our constitution, it reveals who is included and who gets to vote and run the country. Okay, so let's talk about voting rights. Lisa, do you know who got to right to vote in America when we first wrote the Constitution? 
Um, white men. White men who did what? Who, who went to the polls? I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who owned businesses or owned land? Land. Mm. So this is actually a bit of a myth. Um, kind of. It, it, it's it, from technicality. It's a myth. All right. That's Article One, Section Four. All right. But Article One, Section Four gives states the right to determine who gets the vote. Okay. Then the states all went back and decided who in their state they wanted to vote. Hmm. And it turned out that most of those states allowed only white, property-owning men to vote. Okay? That's kind of crazy thinking about just how, like, the whole American dream is rooted in owning a home. You know, like, it really started back then, even, like, to have the right to have a voice. Yeah, well, that whole Americans, every American, a home is, is very much a Clinton thing. Oh, but the American dream was a thing, white picket fence home. I know that Clinton sure, pushed to sure. have the policy fair. for that. But that's fair. Yeah, I just feel like that's, everyone talks about that. It's like, it's probably yep. owning here. Um, all but one state's allowed women to vote. That one vote was the progressive state of New Jersey, where women were allowed to vote if they met the property restrictions. So read this as widows of rich men who owned properties were allowed to vote. It's almost like they're taking that, that monarchy idea forward where it's like, oh, a female can be queen if like there are no other heirs and right. they're already here. Right. And this is, it was also removed in 1807. <laughs> oh, so like, it only lasted you know, 20 years and they're like, this woman is perioding too hard to vote, so we can't let them vote. Yeah, or they like go on like some trip and they're like looking around and be like, "Wait, you aren't letting women vote?" And like, "What the hell are we doing?" Yeah, yeah. There's actually there's actually four states that also allowed black men to vote if they were freed slaves who were able to meet property requirements, huh. which is interesting. So a bit of a myth, but still, just by far, yeah, I the mean. system was set up so the people who could. Be in office, run for office, and protect their rights within the government for white property-owning males. So this is an attack on not only women and the natives and black people, who is the vast majority of the people living there, but poor people, too. It is like establishing a classism in the United States right away. You couldn't just be a shoeshine who lived every day and woke up every damn day in the city of Boston and, and you couldn't vote. You didn't get a say. So then you couldn't go and elect who you wanted to represent you. Yeah. The shoe shot guy. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, who would hope you would want to change the laws to begin with. Exactly. Um, and yeah. let's also not forget the fact that everyone writing this uh. is a white property-owning male. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's really funny because that's again the, the the narrative in America is this has always been a place where anyone can make it regardless of anything and it's just like that was it, not how they said it. But us it's up. true. That is true to an extent, especially from it's a huge again a step forward, a huge step forward from a monarchy. Yeah. But oh, oh yeah. It's yeah. just the odds are so so stacked against. That's true, you. and obviously things changed, and yeah. you know, it's it, more opportunity was made. Not that there weren't still yeah. huge discrepancies, um, but yeah, yeah, it's all relative, I guess. I mean, if you're happy, you gotta have to be. Never mind. By the way, fun side note: mm. 1856, um, in large part due to the influence of the Jacksonian presidency, Andrew Jackson. 
who was a famous frontiersman, mm. came from super poor background. As he like removed large the the um, restrictions on um, property owning stuff. But In terms then, of voting, yeah, made it illegal. But then, of course, all the states who were the super bougie states, like I'm sure Virginia was one of them. What they did is they just added a massive poll tax and then removed the right from black people in the remaining states that black people could vote in. They removed that away as a way of chipping away at the poor people who are now allowed to vote. <sighs> yep. There's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah. Now, just to give you a little bit of an um, idea of how limited voting was based on the state's rights to vote in this amazing democracy, right? 3% of Delaware was voting, 5% of Georgia voted, 3% of New York voted, and 0.7% of Rhode Island voted in the first congressional election in the United States. Wow. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Because U.S. has low voting rates now, but we're still in like the 60% in most states. Mm. It was so restricted when we first wrote the laws of this country that we had like single digits in, in four out of 13 colonies. Wow. That's really, really insane. Yeah. I think it also goes to humans' nature of like wanting to like keep in control what was theirs. And I'm sure a lot of those white rich men that like came over and made the investments and viewed, you know, America as basically their playground were like not necessarily that cool with the idea of it suddenly becoming a true people's democracy. And then yeah. when those people die out and things change, you know, can kind of get become better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Lisa, I'm going to end on something that's very well known as a very, it's a very easy example to talk about the racism and hypocrisy in our own constitution. Mm. But I want to break it down as the final thought, just to be totally clear on the mindset of these people writing the Constitution. Okay. Do you know what I'm going to talk about? No. Okay. So, I'm going to read you the preamble of the Constitution, just mm -hmm. real quick, all right? We, the people, mm -hmm. which is written in big extra letters, we, <laughs> the people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, very intentionally. Of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty, freedom, <laughs> to ourselves and our prosperity to ordain and establish the Constitution of the United States of America. Okay? So we, the people, yeah. are creating this government that's going to promote our own prosperity and freedom. Is essentially what it says. Okay. Three sentences away from that statement with the big bold letters, we the people, mm -hmm. is Article 1, Section 3, mm. which reads the following statement. Mm. Okay. Representations in direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union, union according to their respective numbers which shall be determined by adding the whole number of free persons, including those bond to service for a term of years, and excluding Indians, and three-fifths of all other persons. Yeah, that is the three-fifths. That's the three-fifths compromise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, to state in modern language, every person who counts for the population of your state, if you're free... 
If you were an indentured servant, i.e. a slave for a temporary amount of time, mm. almost entirely always white people from like mm. places like Ireland, mm. then you count as one person. If you are an other person, which is just a euphemism for an African slave, because we only have African slavery that's legal in the States at this time, mm. you count as three-fifths of a person. Mm. And if you are a Native American, you don't count as a human being at all. This is three sentences after the phrase, we the people. And now you see for the first time this phrase, and you see it now in this whole movement, people is referring to as others, right? And then like you can deem it whatever you want as some like liberal woke nonsense about others and how everyone's free in this country, but it is literally written into the Constitution mm. and therefore subsequently also written into state constitutions of referring to slaved Africans as others or other people. Lesser people, really. I mean, that's what they're saying. Right, but I mean, I'm trying to get to the point is that they are not included, right? They yeah. are not included in the American experience. It's written into the Constitution. Yeah. Um, and just to be totally clear what I mean by counted as people, mm. it's their representation by the state. So, like, it's the same way we do the House of Representatives now. This is articles about the House. So, like, you know, Virginia, I think, for example, is has 11 representatives. Mm. And that's based on population. Yeah. So the slaves were counted as three-fifths, all right? Because the South was like, no, we have all these slaves. They're people, too. Right, right, right. <laughs> the North was like, you don't count them as humans in any other regard, why do we count them as population now? Yeah. All right? Not only is that shitty in theory and completely contradictory, but I wanted to give you an end with this food for thought, okay? Mm. By 1812, slave states held 76 out of 143 seats in the House, i.e. a majority, mm. okay? If only the freed population counted, they would only have 59 seats, mm. a hell of a lot less, yep. and less than a majority. So what happened was in the three-fifths compromise is they basically inadvertently created a system where the rich and wealthy slave owners could buy representation for their states in Congress because you can literally buy populations. So basically, in this country, we set up a way so the humans had the right to deny humans liberty by the very act of buying humans and denying their liberty. Yeah. It's written into the Constitution. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that is my big conclusion. What do you think, please? I think it's super powerful. I... I think these things are really tough, and obviously these are, it's, like, very contentious in this country right now, right? I mean, this goes along, along the same lines of removing statues, and, you know, now we're looking not just at, like, more blatant examples of, like, Confederate statues put up by the KKK, but going back to Christopher Columbus and all these things, and, you know, people get very emotional and upset, and I, I... I think there's so many things like this that need to be really looked at. It's, it's not the rhetoric that, that we talk about. We don't look at our past in a way that is fully holistic. At the same time, I want to I want us to be doing this from a place of accepting the human condition, which is that we are imperfect creatures 
and we kind of stumble our way through things, both individually. You know, you see people grow all the time as they are exposed to things and learn more. And so, yes, there are so many horrific things that were done in the past. There are so many wrongs that need to be righted. There's so much education that needs to take place. But just the same way as you take on individual growth, it needs to be from a place of a little bit of compassion and understanding that we are all flawed creatures. And because if you don't have that compassion, there's so much vitriol and anger, both self-hatred towards the self and towards others, that I don't know how much we can move on. Um, so I think that these conversations are super helpful and important. And I think the way that you give them is really important because you're not, you know, screaming and yelling and pointing fingers, but you're just saying, Hey, this is, this is what it was. And, and, you know, if you can say that in a calm way, more people listen, I think. Um, so it's super interesting and super relevant. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, you know, America is great in many ways and is is horrible in many others. Which is the thesis of today's episode. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that was great. Lisa, I really want to end on what you just said. I think it's great. And it's like this, we don't have to make everything this intensely nerdy history shit. And like your emotional representation was really good and I want to end on it. But I'd be kicking myself if I didn't clarify one thing. Did I say something wrong? No, 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 no. It's something that I want to say about my argument I concluded on. Sure. I understand, because I quoted you on stats from 1812, mm. the slave trade in the United States was actually banned in 1808, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hear any arguments about how they couldn't buy, because they were still doing stuff like forced breeding, kidnapping, buying slaves illegally, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. They were still very much incentivized to get more slaves and also to free less slaves. Yeah, and as we've learned... Through this, where there's a will, and especially where there's money, there's always a way. Yeah. Now, we definitely should get out of here. We can save pop culture talks for another time. Sure. Because we're almost at a friggin' hour already. This is one of our longest eps ever. Yeah. Didn't see this coming. Me neither. All right. um, Thanks for listening, y'all. Again, uh, we love you guys. Uh, My name's Steve, and I was a history teacher. My name's Lisa, and I married him. 